nice things. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another Saints Radio. We were just having a discussion of historical significance regarding the geopolitical ties of uh, the former Austria-Hungary Empire and the rise of Nazism and Hitler since supposedly as a result of this election, if the Republicans win, we're all going to be Nazis again. So we might as well just talk about it. We never were Nazis. But that's what we were talking about. And speaking about the times that we were in Germany and we went to visit David at the Air Force Base there in Ramstein and and in Munich with Pastor Larry and Mark Coleman and in Frankfurt also with those brethren on those cold and rainy and wintry days. Was it Frankfurt? No, no. When we got in before the city opened? Yes. And yeah. we went and found a Starbucks? Yes, that was... sat there and waited for the city to wake up? That was Frankfurt. And I wonder, is that where the Frankfurt, Frankfurter, Frankfurters were they invented be. there? It has to be. Where's Teresa, our librarian? Oh, it's Teresa and Annette. Annette yeah. they're gonna, Annette's going to be on it. She, she's Speaking of Teresa, I do. I, I, I'm really rejoicing with her, with Jerry, with just the good report that he's gotten regarding his eyes. That, that is definitely a brave report. That yes. He, that he's gaining vision and looks like his, we're believing full restoration yeah. in his vision. But I was really excited to hear that. We still continue to pray for Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill. <laughs> Watch how <laughs> you say that. Pastor Bill. <laughs> That's <laughs> another pirate. <laughs> I can't even say it. So he's like, did you hear what he said? But you're all thinking it. Maybe, maybe not all of you, but. Anyway, he's recovering from, I guess, a full knee replacement, right? Hip. Hip or knee? Knee. 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 We are the night, Trucy. He's had some complications, but we're just also believing for just complete healing and restoration in that leg. Gosh, we, we, we're getting old. This is like a senior adults <laughs> broadcast. I, I go to physical, <laughs> I, I sound like a Texan. I go to physical therapy twice a week. Honestly, I, I am in there with so many people that are so much worse off than me. Oh, I know. I mean, there's a lot of athletes in there, a lot of college kids, a lot of um, uh, even professional baseball players that are in there practicing but and rehabbing. But there's also a lot of older people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, oh my goodness, it's just. Oh. Well, you know, like when I was going to physical therapy, when I was going to physical therapy, <laughs> there was this old geezer that came in there, and it's like 6.30 in the morning, and what I'm there. What is a geezer anyway? Oh, it's, it's somebody that just spouts off every now and then. It's a perversion of geyser. Oh, okay. But anyway, this dude comes in, and, and he's just hobbling along. You know, he just looks like he's on his last breath. And he starts talking to, I'm over on the other side of the room with the nice young lady who was my therapist. And we're talking about the Lord and we're talking about her days at the University of Oklahoma and all these things. Well, I can hear this old guy over there. And, that, and the guy goes, the therapist goes over to him. And he's saying, the old man says, well, I just turned 65 and I've, my ears perked up. That's not old. And I said to the girl... I said, that guy's got to be 90. He can't be. I'm 65. And I just started laughing, and she started laughing. We weren't laughing at him. But I thought, age really doesn't matter. Because you can be an old 30. Or you can be a young 70. So we need to all just stay young, no matter how old we are, chronologically. So I'm glad that you, so you're over there with Dr. Meissner, uh, the, the guy who does surgery on all these professional athletes, especially at Texas Rangers and other baseball teams. So are you going to try out for spring training? Come, has he I been? actually ran into him the other day and I asked him if that was a possibility. Are you, is your, is your fastball speeding up now since you're? Well, it's funny because I asked 
when I went for my follow-up, I said, am I going to be able to run? And he looked at me and said, did you run before? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what they told me. You, I, you know, we're believing you're going to be able to do everything that you were doing before. Yeah. But for me, in my mind, and my mind thinks that I'm like this marathon runner. And one day I'm going to be out there just able to just... Leap tall buildings. Yes, yes. In fact, one of my, I have three physical therapists, and one of them is actually a, um, a, Paralymp a Paralympian. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and he is, I mean, he's like won the world championship for um, so does he long have, jump. So does he have a... For the long jump. A, a prosthetic leg or something? No, his arm. It's oh, his, his arm. arm. But he's, he's um, competed in in uh, the UK, he's competed in Tokyo, he's competed really all over the world and he's about to start training again. He got a hernia when he was in Tokyo and they actually, he actually had to come home and have it surgically. It was a kind of a big deal. But um, it's fascinating to me because, uh, I don't know, I just, you know me, I mean I love being in that atmosphere because they not only have physical therapy but they also have like training, it's a training facility for baseball and um you know the fit the, the weight lifting and all of that it's kind of a big deal but anyway um i'm just thankful to be in good hands well you know that that seems to be what god's been trying to do with us spiritually over these past couple of years um you know causing people to look to see Am I functioning the way the Lord wants me to function? And what do I need to do to, um, to accentuate that? Because, you know, again, most Christians don't even think they, you know, they go down the trail. Oh, it's all free. You know, it's just simple. You know, you hear them say that. Um, and, yeah, it's free through the precious blood of Jesus, but... You have a responsibility to be in fit condition. Yeah. You gird up the loins, and you, you know you do those things that that are your responsibility. And you know, like I, I, I was kind of grateful for the convoluted message that I gave on Sunday because you know I'm supposed to be writing about the spirit within, and supposed to be writing about how that connects with the friend and the froneo. But we've talked about that from a revelatory standpoint. But to go to how you take responsibility for that, I really hadn't done. And I, I can see that I need to do it. But the cleansing of the spirit, the cleansing of our spirit, the cleansing of our flesh, which is what we read in Second Corinthians 7, that's on us before the Lord. And, and then in David's writing in Psalm 51 about how renew a right spirit within me that that is get back into a line with what god gave you your spirit to be and right is that you are at attention you've taken responsibility for where you are and that wick of your spirit which is the candle of the lord should be ready to receive the fire and then you know you connect it with the five foolish virgins whose wicks were not trimmed their spirit was not in alignment with the Lord. And all of these things are, they're not a given. They're, because the, the, the five wise ones, they were ready. The, the other ones weren't. And if it was a given, then their, their wicks would have been right. And so these are all, it's not of works. It's certainly not something we're boasting about. It's, it's something that we're ready for battle. And so you bring it back to the talk about physical therapy. Um, you have a responsibility. Do you want to be functional? And if, if, you've, if you've fallen in some way, or well, then you've, you've got to do the work to get back to a point of stability and strength. And so... If I've learned anything over these last year and a half is, first of all, grace, of 
course is is given to us, but we have to we have to apply ourselves to partner with it. Right. Absolutely. And and I know that our physical you know how important my physical body is, and I know that it was the Lord that really put the fire in me to get strong because we were starting to travel and you know we were we were our lifestyles were changing just a bit in that direction but um, but what I've realized is so many things for somebody who really uh, it's so important for me for my body to be strong to have struggled physically over this last number of months has done so much for me spiritually in the strengthening of my spirit, my spirit man, to realize how important it is that my spirit man, like you said, is cleansed and 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 ready. Because it's like I said at the seminar when we were talking about Hebrews, you know, I have the book of Hebrews about running the race that's set before you. Whether or not I can run or walk, even walk, that race is still before me. And my, it's my spirit. You know, my spirit is still very much functioning and, 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 and really has the responsibility to pray and to make supplication and to press into grace and to do all those things to run the race in, in the spirit. Yes, our bo- I mean, I need my body to be back functional. I, I desperately need that. But it's so important that because when your spirit man is is well and strengthened and cleansed, it affects you body, mind, and soul. I mean, I, how many people are walking around fit as a fiddle, as my mother would say, running the Boston Marathon, and yet on the inside, they're just dying. Yeah. And that is such a tragedy to me, but I'm I mean, I do know if ever I've lived his his dunamis being perfected in our weakness. It's like the Lord allows us to live these things out so that we, you know, it's just like the revelation of his word touching us in that place of frailty and just having its effect to where it becomes so real that we are able to understand and to apply so it's just really interesting. You know, I was thinking about your message on Sunday, and I was thinking about Jesus in the temple when he went into the temple, and they were in there transacting their business in the temple. You know, the temple representative of us, you know, is our bodies. And, you know, I, I just started thinking about Jesus coming into my temple, and is there, are there any tables he wants to kick over? You know, of me transacting fruitless things or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Or even he wouldn't let them carry their stuff through because they were taking shortcuts through the temple. I mean, even that is 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 kind of a big deal because there are no shortcuts. It's It's all about really like what you began with. It's all about the investment that we make in our relationship with him, our commune our prayer and from that our function and being at that throne of grace and I don't know it's just I love what God is speaking right now because he cares yeah he he does does. and if there was ever a time that we needed to be at the very peak of our service for the Lord it's now, not just for the kingdom's sake, which is the ultimate, but so that we would remain strong and not vulnerable. Um, I, I just, <laughs> I just felt so strongly and still do that that business about <coughs> cleansing the spirit. I really hadn't given much thought. But, um, what, like you said, whether it's the mind, or whether it's our bodies, or whether it's our emotions, whether it's our heart, or at the core, our spirit, 
those are all areas that we need to take responsibility for. And you know, clean, being clean, yes, it, it, it's bereft of impurities, but it also um, means that everything's functioning. You know, somebody comes back from their annual physical and they say, well, I got a clean bill of health, which is kind of weird, a bill. A clean bill of health. Well, does that just mean you're clean? Or does that mean that everything's functioning? Everything is, there aren't any suspect things in, in uh, your makeup. We, we have to, only we can do that. Only we can make sure that with the Lord's help that we're, we're functioning. So, um, anyway, we, we just dove into that, didn't we? <laughs> um, but, but of course, today in our country, there is the election, and um, it's increasingly, you know, as we were growing up, I would hear political commentators and I never heard the rhetoric out of either side that matches what you hear now. Um, there was a montage of comments off of the more progressive liberal media outlets that were saying that if the Republicans or the conservatives win the day that democracy is done. I thought our president said that. Oh, he, yeah, he did too, yeah. but they're all parroting it. And um, there's another one that they said that um, if, the, if the Republicans won, there would be a mass group of arrests that come in the next couple of weeks and that snipers would be posted and people are being shot in the streets by snipers and they're saying all this stuff and and I think somebody has to be believing this somebody has to be so ingrained now with a worldview to where this speaks to them and um and and I think that I think that it was I even mentioned this but everybody else has seen it too. It was during that election with Hillary and Donald Trump that it just dawned on me. Who are these people that are spouting these horrible things? And, and I even said that from the pulpit, not, not realizing that some of the former members of our network were also spouting those things. Just heinous viewpoints of the United States and just twisted, perverted ways of thinking and pursuing things. And I guess that's been in our culture for decades now. We just didn't see it. It was kind of building like the ant pile out in the backyard that suddenly might emerge in your kitchen. And you think, where are these ants coming from? But they've been building outside. Know a lot about historical politics. I didn't really pay that much attention in college. Sorry. No. But I do know. I do remember, like for instance, when Kennedy was president, he was a Democrat, right? Right. He he didn't represent these things that we're facing. No, today. no. In fact, if you listen to his speeches, yeah. he would be smack dab in the middle of the Republican Party right yeah. now. Yeah. So it's just it's gone so far left. It's crazy. It was an assignment. It was a communistic assignment that took root in our universities under the guise of having freedom of speech. And, but then it's just corrupted the minds of teachers and it's corrupted the minds of... You know, I can remember when Katie taught over at the school where, thank God, your kids emerged well. It's a good school. But... Most of the teachers she was surrounded with were just die-hard, bleed-blue liberal progressives. 
they hated things that um, were representative of conservative viewpoints. Anything biblical, they didn't. And all of these teachers were there, and they were just spouting this stuff. And I was stunned. I mean, they were naming big-name schools, you know, Notre Dame, which you'd think in a Catholic school, a lot of them would be coming out of these. Um, and, you know, Boston College. And, you know, but these Catholic institutions, many of them are training kids to be teachers who don't really embody what Catholicism in its purest form embraces. But that's just that's just that. I mean... Listen, in this neighborhood, and I live in this neighborhood, it, it's it's really become so liberal. Oh. I went to go vote last week, and <clears throat> it was it was crowded up at the rec center. Mm -hmm. I could have just voted here, which would have been it, that's always so easy. But I I kind of wanted to do it early, but um, so I was standing there at my cube, and I was doing my straight party vote. Uh -huh. And, and as soon as I finished, I was waiting for my form to pop back out. I just cut my eyes over to the left of the woman that was standing next to me. And I saw, like, the governor. And, of course, she went straight for the left. Yeah. And, you know, you're not supposed to look at what other people are voting for. And I just stood there, and I just watched her hit left, 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 left. And I just thought, you know, it's just, you just, it's almost just... It, it just baffles me because I think, wake up. Yeah. I mean, especially if you have young children with the agenda, with the left. Why are we talking? I can't believe we're talking well, about Well, it's this. election day. Yeah, it is election day. And, and these things reflect society and, and at core, not really who somebody's voting for, but what they espouse. I know. I just, I just, I just think, you know, and be just being on Facebook, too. People will be open about their liberal, you know, people that are people that you do business with, yeah. or that are friends in the neighborhood, or whatever, that your kids have gone to school with, or whatever. And I just think, are they are they even remotely awake? Yeah. Well, you know, at what's happening when I when I was a kid, I've said this before. I grew up in Pittsburgh, which is a union stronghold and staunchly Democrat. You know, I remember they did a straw poll when I was in grade school. And the teacher said it was Nixon, it was President Nixon running against, uh, who was it he was running against? It was in 68, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. And I was the only kid out of 38 kids in my class who rose, raised his hand saying that, I would vote for Nixon. Everybody else was Democrat. And all the people that lived in our neighborhood were Democrat. But wasn't Democrat different? Then? It was different. Totally different. Everybody believed in America. Yeah. Everybody believed in, you know, whether you were Republican or Democrat. Um, and this was, this was before, this was during Johnson did the new, you know, he did some necessary things for, for the right for African Americans to be able to vote in those things. Those things are good. But the social systems that were put in place then really hadn't kicked in yet, which are part of what we're dealing with now. And, um, but at that point, which way you voted, you were all Americans. You all believed in this country. You all didn't want socialism. You all didn't want communism to come in and take over. You, everybody, all of those Catholic Democrats I grew up with, nobody would even think that killing a baby was right. So it was different then. It's not that way now. It's not that way now. So... It's not about whether you vote one way or another. It's what you believe in your core. And that's the issue that really troubles me because we're in the end times. 
and and but but beyond that spiritually there are influences now that i'm sensing in the spirit that when we started this 20 years ago 25 years ago when we were beginning to pray and enter into the spirit realm god was taking us there the enemy had not unleashed these things at that point now we don't fear that but i i knew yeah i remember three years ago when the COVID thing and we've talked about this some of those spiritual influences that would come through and just kind of try to create anger and and i would talk about that they, these are the things we need to ask god cleanse me from these spiritual influences we're not afraid of them we're not saying we're possessed but we've got to be clean and right and um you know i remember gosh remember when everybody smoked not everybody but oh, the yeah, smoking my, was everywhere my parents both smoked like at the dinner table and if you were around people that smoked your clothes smelled of it you you would go away and your clothes would stink <laughs> of cigarette smoke and you'd think man i wasn't smoking but I was around it, and it affected my outer clothing. I think we need to recognize that just being in the world, not of the world, we need to be cleansed. You know, if the Jewish people were coming into the temple, they had to purify themselves. They had to cleanse themselves. They had to wash their hands. You know, wash, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Why? Because they were affected by the places they walked. And, you know, that was before the cross, arguably, that was the last point of ministry that he did for his disciples. Now, again, spiritually praying, giving himself, all those things. But it wasn't just humility. It wasn't just, you know, the, great, the greatest among you be the servant of all. That action of saying you better be wary of where you're walking and to get get that off of you, even like shake the dust off your feet. If you go in among people who won't embrace your peace, who won't embrace what God has called you to do, if they reject that, what do you think Jesus was saying? Shake the dust off. Was you, you publicly shame them, humiliate them? No, he wasn't about that. It was don't allow that corruption to be on you. Shake it off. Wow. I know this Saturday when we were praying the first Saturday and the Lord started speaking and or started telling me that we needed to pray the Lord of the Harvest would, would um, bring workers, basically. And I really didn't understand it, but when I, I went home and I, I looked it up in Scripture, that's the very next passage that he talks about, mm -hmm. is pray ye the Lord of the harvest, and, and then he goes into that very thing. When you go into a city and, and you know, they don't embrace your peace, mm -hmm. you shake the dust off your feet or... or <coughs> Or you stay. As a witness against them. Yes, and I think it, that's so imperative for us, thinking about those that come alongside us. I mean, we, we are, because you don't think the enemy's going to be deceptive in that way. Yeah. We have to be super, super discerning. And, of course, we trust the Lord, but that, that those that we, that we, I don't want to say allow to come alongside, but those that do come alongside, especially in, these other nations that are yeah. we're not actually boots on the ground mm -hmm. we're going to have to be really careful because uh, yeah. there's probably a message in that we're supposed to bring I was thinking of the other not really a parable where Jesus is talking about this feast and there's a guy that comes in and he's not wearing he's not the wearing a, a, a mantle that's that's necessary for him to be there and what did jesus jesus did this cast this Not guy out jesus, yeah out. with that smile on his face cast him out of here that's out of the feast of the lord 
So there are, there are things like that, hidden nuances. Well, they're not hidden, they're there. Nuances of the scripture that maybe we've not looked at. You know, I've been praying about lots of different places that we have responsibility for. But I was praying last night about one of them, Brazil. And I thought, we've got to be careful who's there, who's aligning with us, because this is high-stakes war. And I thought, I've got to have a conversation soon about somebody that I don't want there. And I need to let the powers that be down there know, don't make an agreement, because this person is not on our team. They're, they're, they're passing words to the enemy. And it sounds, it sounds, uh, what's the word? It slipped my mind. You don't want to be crazy with it. You don't want to be overly suspicious. What's the word when you, when you suspect everybody? I, I can't remember the word. Um, but you don't want to be that way. But then again, you, you don't want to be dumb regarding the scriptures and make yourself vulnerable because of you're, you're unequally yoked with somebody that's on a different agenda. And you're right. The enemy understands this principle and he will probably try to send in people who aren't, who aren't really yoked with us. They're pulling it a different way. And the best you can do if that happens is go around in circles. So, um, and I'll, I'll think of the word probably an hour after we finish. Just look in the Nemonicos Dictionary of Made-Up Words. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Luke 10, and he's just sending the 70 out two by two. <clears throat> he said, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And this laborers is really a word for teachers. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Wow. Carry neither money, knapsack, sandals. And see, to me, that's about the cleansing, too. Greet no one along the road, but whatsoever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you. Eat such things as set before you. And heal the sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatsoever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out in the streets and say, The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off. Oh, I'm in the New King James, sorry. That's we wipe right. off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom and for that city. Why would it be more why would it be more tolerable for Sodom? Why would he say that? Because it's gonna be bad. Well, it's bad, but also Sodom wasn't anything goes. Yeah. You know, the, I'm sure that progressive ideology was God loves all these people. Everything anything they want to do, there's no judgment. And that was Sodom. And, you know, that's those twin cities there, Sodom and Gomorrah. One was famous for one kind of sexual and lifestyle perversion. The other was susceptible, well, uh, the poster child for another kind. And um, that's, that's weird. But of all the places he could have said, he uses that for what it represents. I do, uh, you know, I do wonder about praying the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You know, maybe, and that's a deasis. I, I wonder if, if that's like just the pure intercession that we bring for God to bring the pure 
laborers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I never looked at it that way. Because I do know, I mean, it's like what some of the things that we're dealing with now in Brazil with, well, not necessarily Brazil, but some of, oh, I can't say any of it. I can't say yeah. this. Well, th let's just say that there there are many ways that the enemy is trying to establish his own version of the saints. Right. And those people are being recruited and trained, I mean trained, in the things of the spirit realm from an enemy perspective. But I'm sure that they're also being trained as a fifth column to come into the church and you know it's like that movie Battle of the Bulge did you watch that? Louis watched that? Um, how that the Germans before the Battle of the Bulge they, they recruited a lot of uh, German soldiers who spoke fluent English who either were raised in the United States or whatever and so they dressed these guys like American soldiers and sent them into the Allied lines to disrupt traffic and to do all kinds of other things. It's, that's what a fifth column is. And I'm sure that there are many that are being trained. They speak our language. They, they talk about things. And, but they're really being trained by the enemy. Of course, you, here's the word, here's the word, paranoid. I don't want to be paranoid or overly suspicious. No, but there was one, I, I'm trying to remember what, prayer time or what the, the context, well, it doesn't matter the context, I know the context, but the setting where you were actually praying over what God had just done in Brazil and us going forward and you were praying specifically that that the leadership there would not be distracted, that they wouldn't be recruited away. I mean, I can't remember yeah. the wording that you used, but when you were praying those things, I mean, that really hit my spirit that, of course, there's going to be competition yeah. um, for, just because the spirit is just so alive yeah. and moving. And, and so I, it, it really has geared my intercession towards that. And so we just trust the Lord. Well, we have to have it because of the advance that breakthrough is going to require of us and what we're going to encounter on the way and um, I'm just absolutely I mean if you talk about war spiritual warfare you better you better be ready to apply these kinds of things um uh, you know, I mentioned that BBC thing, um, some of the reports that they've done reporting on the United States and how that they went into Pennsylvania to this, I don't know where this was, but it was preachers and people that were praying in the spirit and, and um, people that were repenting and being baptized. It was kind of like a mix of a church service and a political rally. But they were talking about spiritual warfare. And they were saying it very eloquently. These weren't a bunch of Yahoo rednecks. I mean, the people that, the one, one woman that was talking about spiritual warfare, I mean, I was almost shouting amen. But the BBC picked up on that. And they went to talk to this woman. What do you mean, spiritual warfare? What do you mean? And the woman, I, of course, they edited her comments. But she talked about how that, you know, we're to be soldiers, that scripture says this, and that we're engaged in a, a war, a good warfare. And she was quoting some of these scriptures. And, but the weird thing was that the BBC commentator, who was, seemed like a very lovely, nice woman, she said, you heard it. These are relics. Of a, of, a, of a Bible that was translated in our country hundreds of years ago. And it's alive. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, but they were kind of mocking the fact that these people were actually saying we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And I thought, well, of course that's what the enemy's going to do. But, but the other one, though, I mentioned this. I don't know where they were in Arizona. 
but it was like a beer barn. And they these these Yahoo Charlies were doing arm wrestling and all these things and this is the face of conservatism in, in Arizona. And I thought, no, it's not. These guys are a bunch of village idiots. They're not the face of conservatism. This is a biased production. But, you know, people in England watching that, that's what they're being told about what we're doing. So the Spirit of the Lord needs to just fall upon England. They need, they need, God needs to have mercy on them for the way they've impacted the world for the kingdom over the, de over the centuries. But I thought, and I know your heart for England, and I thought, this is what the main arm, the government media, is depicting. And I thought, where are the Christians in England? They've got to know that this is nonsense. Piers, is Piers Morgan in England, or is he in the U.S.? I don't know where he is now, but he seems to be on both shores. Because I, I will have to say that I'm, I'm super thankful for some of these voices that are just... Like, for instance, you know Matt Walsh is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he does not hold back, and he's going toe-to-toe, -to -toe with, especially with regards to the children and this whole transgender thing. And, yeah. you know, Sean Foy, we talked about the whole, you know, the movie that he did, and which was really a phenomenal, really, project about the whole lockdown and you can't worship and churches are going to close. But um, uh, Tucker Carlson and, and some of these... These voices, the guy that wrote the um, Eric Metaxas, mm -hmm. um, I'm really thankful that they're not backing down. And we, we, it's kind of hard to know, like, as a Christian, how far to go with it, you know, when it comes to politics. Like this morning, I did a Marco Polo for our congregation just to encourage people to go vote. Because, I mean, we have a voice, we need to be the voice. And yet, at the same time, there's a hesitancy, a hesitancy in me to do that because we've never really towed the political line. But I just feel the burden, well, it's not a good way to say it. I feel the responsibility of the body of Christ to rise up and be that voice of righteousness in our land. And I mean, even in our state alone, I mean, there's a battle. We've been a fairly conservative state, thanks be to our governor and to the few that are in elected positions that have been conservative in their and the way that they rule I guess right but you know even in our state here it, it, it's a battle and I've thought about that I've thought if our state went from turn blue I, that would devastate me I mean, it's already a battle just in what's going on in the schools, but I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, Pastor Fabian sent me this link uh, about a movie that's coming out called um, 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture. And it's, it's a movie that it basically focuses on whatever Bible translation was coming out in 1946 where the word homosexual was used. And they're saying that, that this, the whole theme of this movie is that that was a mistranslation of the original and that it wasn't, um, that it affected culture and it's really okay to engage in whatever type of lifestyle you want. And I'm not criticizing anybody, but I'm just saying that this is just the latest of going into the scripture and trying to twist it. You know, we, we talked about how the demonic realm was taking scripture and trying to say that the original translations say this or they don't say that. Just basically undercutting so many of the things that we know to be true in the spirit realm. So it's just society as you said i i just don't understand i i drive through this neighborhood like you and i think who are you people where what do you 
It's unbelievable. Now, Sunday, so I know I'm not picking on this guy. I think he's kind of a, a shyster. I didn't, I'm not voting for him. But Sunday, when I came out of church, somebody that represented the O'Rourke campaign had put on our parkway like 15 Beto signs. I saw that. And I saw some like laying on the parking lot. Just that was me. I picked them up and threw them down. I was going to ask you if we could just pull them all up. Well, I, pulled, I didn't pull them all up because some of them were sandwiched in with people that I knew were normal. But I thought, on a Sunday, you people, what do you mean you people? You came to a church, even though we're a polling place two days later, and you plastered on our parkway these signs for this guy that does not embrace anything that we're preaching. And I thought, how ignorant is that? Uh, and maybe I could get their addresses and go stick some Governor Abbott signs in their parkway and see what they would do. But I thought that's just, no, nah, it's just a picky unish thing. Now, to me, that was kind of ignorant, but I plucked up a bunch of them. I even went out this morning at five o'clock when I was walking the grounds praying before the election people came and I yanked up a whole bunch of other ones. Um, I wish that these people would have to give you a, uh, a kind of a, maybe five cents for every sign you return because they just plant them in the place and then they're done with them. It's up to you to throw them out. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we have we have to go and take the signs down. No, I, I've asked that question about the signs because if you drive, like for, I'm, I live in this bubble, right? And so I drive to the church and I drive home. Maybe to Whole Foods and home. But if I drive, you know, I always drive through the neighborhood and you go down Lakewood Boulevard, and there's 5,000 Beto signs. Oh, it's crazy. So I asked Ian one day, because Ian is my nephew, and he's in politics, and I said, so is there just somebody that just gets a bunch of these signs and just goes door to door and says, can I put a sign in your yard? He said, yes. And I think, are these people even thinking? Because literally, and it was like that with Biden signs, too. Yeah. I would go walk the dog, and back when I could walk. <laughs> and I would just get, I mean... At first, I just got super troubled, and then you can tell your neighbors that have the giant signs in yeah. their yard, and I just, I, I, it really just became prayer walking for me. Like, Lord, I mean, He is sovereign, and what's funny in my in my neighborhood, our next door neighbor who's been there from before we moved in thirty plus years ago, is a sweet lady named Peggy. She goes to First Baptist, and. You know, I know she loves the Lord, and she puts conservative signs in her yard and on her door. Well, the, the lady that lives beside her moved in about three years ago, and she is just as liberal as can be. I mean, she just is. And if you, if you get stuck out in the, out in the, uh, the cul-de-sac and she gets you, she just talks your ear off. But she puts all kinds of progressive signs in her yard. So it's like a battle of the signs between these two older ladies. And like in, in the presidential election, Peggy had Trump signs, Trump pants. And just a few feet away in the other yard, you had those signs, you know, the kind of mocked, never Trump signs with his hair, which were kind of funny. And those would be there. And, and I just watched that, and I think, one of these days, these two ladies are going to yank these signs up and start whacking each other with them. But <laughs> poor Peggy. I mean, she's, she's tough. She's a real nice person. And, but it, it's just strange, and I think, I, I don't mind so much because, again, when I grew up, mo just about everybody was the other party than what we were. And that was fine. I mean, I didn't think about it because, it was a different day. yeah, but now, I mean, one of the, who was it? Lawrence, is this Lawrence Jones that's on Fox, the six foot six African-American kid? 
he goes to these places and interviews people, you know. So he went into Philadelphia. Pittsburgh people are always suspect of people from Philadelphia. Just want you to know that. Listen, I was there. <laughs> so the, the, uh, they were interviewing who you voting for, Oz or Fetterman, and why. And all these people were saying they were voting for Fetterman, and their excuse was that they wanted women to have a right to abortion. Or they, they felt that Fetterman had done a good job in this little suburb of Pittsburgh called Braddock. And none of these people had ever been to Braddock. Braddock is a ghost town. I mean, you go, it's named after that British general that was ambushed by the Indians on their way to Fort Pitt or Fort Duquesne at that time. So they named it after a massacre, a, Br a British general. But it's a ghost town. Fetterman has done nothing for that. And, and so they're talking to all these people from Philadelphia, and it's about abortion and what Fetterman did in Braddock. And I thought, you're crazy. And it was just everybody, except for one lone African-American guy who said, he said some really colorful words. He said, Fetterman ain't done jack. He never showed up as lieutenant government governor. He said, I'm voting for Dr. Oz. And I thought, well, thank God one guy in Philadelphia seems to be using common sense. But it's just that kind of thing. And you think, why do you people support this guy? The economy's a wreck. The the border is just overflowing. You just go down the line of of things that are have gone wrong in this country. Your your retirement accounts have gone south. But we want to have women have the right to kill babies and we've never been here, but we've heard that this guy did a good job in this little ghost town of a city. So we're going to vote for him. Who's just going to foment these policies that are just dragging the country down. Inflation is 10% now, 13% in some parts of the country. It's crazy to me. Now, but you think about that huge issue with abortion and how it's all about the women's rights. And even men, it's about the women's rights. And somehow it becomes about their rights, yeah. the men's rights. And that's, to me, that is just so counter. Because do any of us really have any rights outside of the kingdom? Outside no. Of the Lord? Do no. we belong to him? Does our, I mean, our temple belongs to him. Every part of us belongs to him. And it's just, that's such a, it, it's just, it's like the enemy is so not creative. <laughs> because oh, that, yeah. that platform has been such a huge one that has turned our country this direction. All about, we got to have our human rights. And yet, who breathed life into you? Mm -hmm. Who, I mean, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? I mean, who, it's just, to me, it just, I think we should probably spend the rest of the hour, and I think we're almost out of time. We've got seven minutes left. Seven? Yeah, it's 53. 53.35. Oh. Maybe we should, should speak prophetically into this election day, or maybe pray, or... <clears throat> um, just infuse it with the Spirit of the Lord because it is what it is and it will be what it will be yeah. <laughs> but the Lord is still on the throne and, and we still trust Him and, and, and I do I mean I, I know there's a lot of they're saying now that with all the mail-in ballots, you know, there's some of those, it might have been Pennsylvania where he was saying that it's going to look like the Republican, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, it was Pennsylvania. Like the Republicans are going to take the Senate, was it? Mm-hmm. And yet, when the mail-in, all that stuff, start, you know, the mail-in ballots and the things that come after that they can't start counting until, I guess, the ballots close. And to me... It's so backwards. It, it's so backwards, but too, it's like... I'm not a big one that is conspiracy that says that um, the election was stolen. I, I have my opinion about it, but that's not worth anything. 
But I do know that there's a lot of deception. And of course there is. And Politico, which is the root of a lot of the liberal rags, came out with an article, I think it was yesterday, stating about how that uh, voting machines are suspect to manipulation. See there? And it's so now they're, they're going to go that way because they think the election's going to go against them. Whereas two years ago, if you had said that, they would come and FBI would knock on your door. Your misinformation and disinformation. It's just so corrupt. And um, I pray for this country. I, I ask God. And so many times when I'm praying now, I know this sounds awful. I'll feel that judgment is coming upon this land. And, oh, I just hate that. I just hate that. But that is scriptural. Yeah. And we have to, I mean, we are going to be his voice of judgment. We're going to walk in that judgment. And we have to be ready for that. Well, we speak that the will and the purpose of the Lord will be accomplished throughout this day and in the days to come. That the enemy will not be able to change the times that God has ordained and that God's perfect will in all of his grace and mercy would be done. And we ask that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit would be saying to the church, that we would not miss the leading of the Spirit, that we would be prepared as God gives us the inclination to be prepared in the ways he's called us to be, keep us from things that we shouldn't be in, Teach us to say what we should say and be careful not to say even the right thing at the wrong time. I'm just making, what do, what do you want to pray? I, I, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would rest upon every polling place. That regardless of whether or not he's been welcomed in, we declare that the Holy Spirit will rest upon every polling place yes. in our state and here in this church. Yes. That this church would be a light, that you overcome darkness with light, and that this church, this polling place, will be a light that when people, and you declare this on Sunday, but when people come into this house, that they walk into the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I, I mean, that he, that he would even change them in that moment. And, and sway the vote towards righteousness. And I declare that in every polling place in this country that the Holy Spirit would just rest. It would be an atmosphere of God's sovereignty and his righteousness. And I know that's a big ask, but we can, and, and I also ask for the saints that throughout this day and into the next number of days that we would be sensitive to the Spirit leading us to pray and that we would pray in the Spirit, that we would partner with the Spirit on behalf of the truth of the Lord to rule in this land and that God's will would be done. Yes. And we trust Him. In God we trust. And we just declare that over our nation as it once was, that in God we trust and let that, let His sovereignty just rule and reign and let the saints be responsible and go out and vote yeah i mean your vote matters and <clears throat> so get your sticker well i will say this this morning um when i let the election people in there were probably 10 people in there working and there's the, so many people in the parking lot. Oh my gosh, at 7 o'clock, our parking lot was full, yeah. which was amazing to see. And they flooded in there to vote. But anyway, all the workers, the, the, the judge, which is a really sweet lady named Jean, she said, this is such a wonderful place. We're so happy to be here. And her daughter was working with her. She said, oh yes, I just feel so free in here. And they're all giving praise to the Lord, basically. And, and I went back in my office and I, I said, thank you, Lord. Your spirit is already beginning to move. Yeah, and um, so let's just continue to believe as you just so eloquently proclaimed.
Well, folks. The political hour has ended. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We pray for you. And we hope that you have a wonderful day in every way. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow for Wednesday Night Live. And um, well, we won't see you. We'll be declaring things. I promise not to speak about politics tomorrow. God bless you. Adios, amigos.